What's going on? How you doing? You feeling chipper? Maybe a little groggy? You need a cup of coffee? How do you take it? You like a French press? You like a uh, aero press? I don't know, maybe you use a Keurig. It's okay, no judgment. Do you like an oat milk in there? A steamed milk? Maybe a soy? Or a whole milk? You're just a whole milk person. Well, I don't do any of that. I go black. Needle in vein, caffeine injection. Speaking of injection, as of a couple weeks ago, I'm fully vaccinated. Yeah, no more pandemic anxiety for me. Boy, I'm ready. I'm out and about. Thank you, science. Thank you, Moderna. Thank you, healthcare workers. Welcome to episode four of Artworks. I hope you've been enjoying it so far. Remember, this is a one-man show. I do the interviews. I make the questions. I record it. I edit it. I put all the little sound stuff in there. It's a one-man show. So, I hope you do appreciate it. Follow it on Instagram. Rate and review it on Spotify and Apple Music and all that fun stuff. Thank you. I've done about eight interviews now, and I can tell you the one consistent thing is the unnerving terror that I feel before every single one. You just don't really get out of it. You go like, oh, please go well. Please go well. Spencer, please don't sound like a bumpkin from Mississippi. Uh, Please don't go, yeah, yeah, like you do every time. Guest, please have interesting things to say and just keep talking. Just keep talking so I don't have to ask any dumb questions. That's all I want. Luckily, I didn't have too much of an issue with my next guest, Annalie Richards. We've been longtime buddies, known each other for a little over 10 years now, and uh, she's lived in Los Angeles for the past four or five We talk a little bit about how she got over there and uh, all the stuff that she had to do in order to make it happen and get to where she's at. Um, She's a film and theater actress. She's been specializing in immersive theater, and right now she's finishing up work with the Stranger Things drive-through immersive experience in L.A., sponsored by Netflix. You know, the Netflix, the one that you watch. We talked in late October last year, 2020, right after the opening night, and we delved into keeping positive self-image and having the mental fortitude to push on with your art through a world that is maybe not susceptible to your success. Annalie Richards, everybody, let's do the thing. It's so good to hear from you. I know. Can you hear me okay? I have headphones on. Yeah, I can hear you okay. Cool. Oh, man. Um, so, 
allow me to start, okay. if you don't mind. Um, I, first of all, just want to say that, you know, I have great admiration for your career path. Um, I think that it was a very brave move of you years ago when you decided to move out to L.A. And I actually remember one of the times when I was playing with Young Valley in Hattiesburg, where you had just graduated from Southern Miss, you and I were talking about you moving out to L.A. and you were talking about how you had a, a budget set, you had a you were making very, very serious concrete plans and just making it like airtight to give yourself the um, push to go out there. Will you talk a little bit about that and then just sort of kind of catch me up? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, so I went to the University of Southern Miss in Hattiesburg, um, and I majored in theater there. And when I was in my senior year, actually, it was the summer before my senior year, I went to visit um, L.A. I had a few friends that lived out here that were doing the thing, and my uncle is out here, actually, and is a working actor. So he kind of gave me uh, the chance to see the city and get a feel for it. It was extremely intimidating, but after graduating with a degree in theater, I kind of realized I really wanted to focus on film, and so I decided to do the damn thing and move to L.A., um, but my dad, being the way that he is, he was like, if you're serious about this, like, I need to see, like, a written out, like, how you're going to do this, how much money you're going to save up, and um, so... I also, there was a class in my senior year of college that kind of uh, was called the business of acting and it made us like set up a concrete plan. So it was like, okay, I needed to figure out how to get my car to LA. Um, I could only take so much because, you know, I was either going to drive or fly there. I ended up um, shipping my car and flying. So I had like two suitcases and I tried to fill my car with some stuff too. But, um, yeah, so I, the summer before I moved out to Los Angeles, um, my roommate, uh, Skylar, and I, she, she decided she was going to move to L.A. too. So that kind of gave us the, um, like, the security to have another person to do it with. Um, I honestly yeah. don't know if I could have uh, made the move without her. And she's still my roommate now. She was my roommate in college, and she's kind of, you know, my ride or die. <laughs> um but yeah, so the summer before, um, one of our professors actually um, was out of, uh, going to be out of town for the majority of the summer. So I worked the whole summer and uh, we uh, house sat for him, both Skylar and I, and we had the opportunity to save up about $5,000 each is what we agreed on. Because uh, we didn't have to pay rent since we were staying there. And then we... Um, we're just serving tables like for, for like like every day, just trying to like put the money away and be like, okay, we're saving that. And so I moved out here after spending about a thousand dollars on shipping my car. I saved up like an additional five thousand um, dollars, 
um, just to get like a deposit for um, a one bedroom and like uh, just some security for a couple of months before I found a job. Um, yeah. And yeah, Skylar and I lived in a one bedroom the first year we were here and uh, shared a room. And yeah. Wow. That's how, that's how we got here. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. So you voided tables. Tell me a little bit about some of the odd jobs that you've had while you've been out there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, sorry. My cat is like, if you hear any weird noises in the background, that's my cat being mischievous. Um, okay. <laughs> but some of the odd jobs I had, uh, so let's see. Well, the first job I had, I worked at Universal Studios. Um, it was like an easy place to get a job. Uh, and I decided when I moved out here, I was like, I don't want to serve tables anymore. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and so I ended up working at Universal Studios for about um, four months, I think. And I was a sales clerk. And so I worked in all the different, just all the different shops. It was probably like my least favorite job <laughs> ever. I've never done retail and working in a theme park is like, a very specific uh, thing that I don't think I will ever do again. <laughs> yeah, and people at a very specific uh, capacity for compassion. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a weird gig, and I was just, like, made really depressed after moving to L.A. because it was just such a... Um, I just felt so out of place. I also, like, you know, you have those moments where you're like, do I really belong here? Why did I move here? Yeah. So yeah, that was my first job. And then I was like, no more of that. Um, and then I got this job at this store called, actually, I won't, I won't say the name because <laughs> I want to say some things about it, but it was an online clothing store and, uh, I was working the, uh, like I would do customer service for them. So like phone calls and, um, uh, like just helping people out with buying things. And a lot of the clothes were, um, like bridesmaids dresses and stuff. So I'd take like phone calls from a lot of angry brides and I did that for about four or five months. But both of those jobs didn't really allow me to audition in the same way serving tables did. Um, so I ended up getting a serving job. And um, yeah, I worked at a couple other places for like a day or two and then like quit because <laughs> yeah. I was like, wait, this is the night. Like I worked at a jewelry shop for like a day and um, yeah, so <laughs> Yeah, I have I have definitely found also just as a musician, it's mm -hmm. it's really difficult to find jobs that will allow you the time to work on the thing that you were really trying to do. Yeah, you know, we're we only have so much energy every day, and your survival job, if it takes up too much time or too much mental or physical energy it's really hard to then put it into what you really want to be doing. And, you know, with the creative endeavor, you really have to look at it as like, that's your main job. And the other job that you, you go to however many times a week for however many hours, like that's your, um, you know, survival job. And you go there to support yourself and support the, the real thing you want to be doing. But it's really hard to find that balance and not let it override, like, what you really are out there to be doing, you know? Yeah, seriously. Um, 
Tell me about when you when you got started actually auditioning, like once you got your feet firmly planted in L.A. Sure. Um, I, I'd say the first year in L.A., like, I, I, I tried so hard to, um, like, okay, so I, I came from a background in theater, so I didn't have any film. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have a reel. And so I was like, okay, I want representation. And the rest are like, you don't have any footage, so we can't really represent you because we don't know if we can act. And I'm like, all of my acting was on stage and then, you know, it's not recorded. So um, I'd say the first year really was just me getting footage, doing a ton of student films. Um, I was just like applying pretty consistently, just doing a bunch of gigs that were unpaid to get, uh, you know, they call it uh, coffee, credit, and a meal. You don't get paid, but you get your footage, you get your, credit on IMDb sometimes and then you get food <laughs> and sometimes gas money not always <laughs> yeah um so yeah that was that's how it started and over time I was able to get some footage and that's when I could start to make those moves but it just just even just getting comfortable in LA and getting to know the city it took about like a year or so before I was able to have anything or have the confidence to start actually trying to find representation. I, I think it was, I think two years in when I first got um, a commercial rep and then uh, the, fir the first one dropped me after a month. I didn't go out for anything. I was just like, okay. And then um, I was pretty discouraged. And then I, I found another one and now I, I've been working for, or working with rather, um, a manager for the past couple of years, and he has been awesome and has gotten me in a lot of doors. But the only way I was able to find him was through submitting and doing things myself and um, trying to just like make things happen. And then I, I, I reached out to him once, and he declined. And then I reached out to him again and was like, "Hey, I booked this really cool." immersive theater production it was featured in the hollywood reporter i would love if you would give me like a second shot and then he let me uh film an audition for this show called 911. and since then um pre-covid <laughs> um yeah. he, he's gotten me some really legitimate exciting auditions um so yeah, but it really took time, and I'm still just, like, I feel like where I'm at now, four years later um, of L.A. life, I'm just now, like, getting to the point where I have, like, the confidence and the understanding of the business, and I'm, I'm finally, after four years, getting recognition and, like, more auditions for legitimate things, but it really took a lot of time. Oh, that's amazing. Um you do have something. You have landed something that you can't talk about, right, at this moment? <laughs> yes. It's, um, what I will say is that it is, um, it's like an immersive theater experience. It's with um, this amazing company that's, uh, they're from London originally, and they do, they're, they're called Secret Cinema, um, and they're working on a very popular uh, television show and they kind of just bring television shows or movies or uh, just iconic movies mostly but in this this one they're doing a film or I'm sorry a television show and uh, yeah this one is 
it's it's just it's so cool. It's an immersive experience of a well-known TV show, and I get to play a very cool character, and that's all I can really say. Well, can you tell so me more we about? Opened, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, your opening night was last night. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Little Instagram birdie told me. Um, yeah, yeah. If you follow uh, me on Instagram, you'll get the some some inside scoop. Yeah, the scoop. Oh, I'll be I'll be sure to to give you a nice plug at the end. Um <laughs> Perfect. Great. But uh can you tell me more about the immersive theater experience? Is that something that you also have to leave out? I can kind of talk to you about what immersive theater is because I didn't even know really that it was a thing um, until I came out here. Immersive theater to me is like a really nice middle ground between film and theater because what immersive theater does is you you talk to people, um, the audience, like they're with you. And so you're in character but you're talking to them like they are also like within the world and that they like reference something that is not within the world that you're currently in. Like you don't, you, you have to be like, what is that? Um, like the, the, the show I'm doing right now, it's like we're uh, based in a different time period. So when we see cell phones, we're like, what, what is that? <laughs> um, but yeah, immersive theater, uh, the, the first immersive theater thing I did out here was called Theater Macabre just like the craziest coolest experience um it, it was just like a one-on-one like i'd take people that would come in and we'd go into this room and i'd ask them questions and there was like a bunch of different tracks that would take you through basically solving like this mystery and depending on who you interacted with um sent you through different storylines so like each person would have a different experience that went so like if you went with a group of friends you know at the end of it all these people together like what happened and it was just, it, when I did that show, it was so exciting. Um, kind of in the same way that when I discovered film, I was like, I thought I knew like what acting was, but there's, there's, there's different medias in which you can do it that I get to dive into it in a way that I really enjoy. So, wow. Yeah. So this was all pre-COVID. I mean, as of right now, the, the immersive theater... Mm-hmm. production you're working on right now is sort of the first um comeback you know everybody's trying to now now that we understand what we're dealing with i think everybody's trying to come back slowly like i'm mm-hmm. doing my my first show in in months coming up and it, and everybody's trying to figure out a safer way to do it um yeah yeah. I've, this is a question that I that I've been thinking about uh, a lot before this interview. But when you were in quarantine, how did you continue to stay sharp? Sure. Um, so I feel like I initially welcomed the break. <laughs> I was like, I've been in LA for four years and this is the first time that everything is shut down. And part of me was like, just so exhausted at this point that I was like, cool, I'll take a month off. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm just, I've been going so hard and hustling and working. And I was just like, this is awful and scary. But at the same time, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm so 
um, exhausted. But then it continued, as we all know, for much longer than I think anyone thought, uh, I guess. Um, so I, I, I went through different waves of it um, where there was a portion of quarantine where there was a bunch of uh, uh, casting director uh, like open calls. Um, so they'd be like, you can film a self tape and then we'll look at it. And so that kind of kept me busy for about a month. I would do those and look for things. I, I basically quit self submitting because there really wasn't anything. Mm -hmm. But then I stopped after about a month. I definitely fell into a depression, which I think that probably most artists are in currently or have experienced or are going in and out of. Because yeah. um, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great time to be an artist because I think there's like, we're able to express ourselves in a way and like write and make things. Um, and I really do think a lot of wonderful art is going to come out of this whole uh, pandemic. But yeah, it was super hard to stay sharp. And I, I kind of surrendered to it at a point and decided not to stress myself out about trying to make stuff happen. Like I tried to stay in touch with reps. I did get theatrical representation in quarantine because I was still trying to find it. And like, you know, maybe this is a good time to find representation because they're not doing anything. Like maybe they want to like refresh their roster. Um, so that's cool. Um, but I, I just kind of had to let it be what it was. But then it got to a point where things sort of were going back to some normalcy, not normal, but like new normal, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine and he's like, yeah, I've been self-submitting. And I hadn't been at that point. And this is like probably a month ago. And I was like, is there really anything going on? And there was some, some things. And so I was like, you know what, I'll get back into it. And after that, I booked what I'm currently working on. So I'm very, very thankful that I, I'm getting to work on this project right now. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like for people that aren't able to work on something, uh, like if you're an actor, I suppose, there's still a lot of opportunity. Like I, I feel like I just went inward with, and I think it's what a lot of people went through, um, and I, I feel like I gained a better understanding of myself through this whole uh, quarantine experience, yeah. which has helped me as an actor because I'm able to feel more authentic within myself, which then makes me a more authentic actor. Um, Could you tell me about some of those discoveries? Yeah, I mean, I really think it, what it comes down to is just like I needed to slow down and uh, reconnect with myself because the hustle of living in a place like LA is it's very I like I said I didn't really stop for four years and so it took me having to be like forced to do nothing to reconnect with myself there's something about constantly going and going to auditions and seeing different actors and being rejected and finding projects you want to do and going to class and, and making discoveries in class about yourself as an actor and you 
can lose sight of yourself or have an idea of what you want to become so desperately that you're not like seeing yourself in the present moment, I suppose. And in quarantine, I wasn't so worried about that outside perspective. And I also think there was something very humbling about like everyone, regardless of like, if you are, you know, a rep or a casting director or a director or whatever, we are all going through the same thing. We're all just people. And it just kind of reminded me, like, I'm an artist. The reason I'm doing this is because I, I love acting. I love telling stories. And it's, it's not so much about this, like, end goal that I was really trying to force to make happen. And I really, I do believe in, like, practicing, like, detachment. And, like, I felt like I was able to detach from, it's like, I know what that's very clearly what I want to do. And I feel very deeply like that's my path I guess but at the same time with something that was so out of my control it gave me the perspective to let go and just let it be what it was and I don't know just return to who I am without so much outside pressure oh man that is uh that is beautiful and I would say universally <laughs> fitting for a lot of people mm-hmm. that I've talked to and especially mm-hmm. even going through these interviews. The last yeah. two the last two people said, I learned to slow down. Mm-hmm. And I I am in full agreement with that. I would say that uh, as artists we all we all at some point, uh, whoever you are, artist or not, felt a universal funk. There was just a universal sigh and just going like, once we realize that the world we know is not necessarily going to be quite the same again. And I remember I was at a point of very high production before we came to that. And then when I had to wipe my calendar clean of dates and I didn't have a place to pack up and go, I realized all of my unpacking that I had to do physically also came with an emotional unpacking. I'd spent so Mm -hmm. much time going that I really had to sit with all of these things that I was feeling and go like, I need therapy. Yeah. Oh my God. talk about like growth even before um uh, covid like i've been in therapy for the past two years because la is so hard and life is hard and everyone has trauma and like if you don't think you do like you you do (laughs) Um, (laughs) like you're lying um but as an actor like and i'm sure as like artists and just i mean anyone therapy helps me so much and I know so many people that have gotten into therapy I have a couple of very close friends that have started therapy during quarantine and because they had to slow down and like check in for the first time in a long time yeah really check in Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And over the course of time, like with your therapy, I know we've, we've talked briefly about, you know, you've, you've added more yoga and you've added yoga into your life. You've added meditation in your life. We tell me not only has that, has that helped you in every day, but how does that help you with your art? Sure. Um, I'm a naturally, I don't know, naturally, but I, I don't know why, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure there's many reasons, but I am an, an anxious person. Um, so that's something that I, I used to, I didn't understand what that was. I used to just think I was stressed all the time and I worried all the time. I still do, but it's something that I'm working through. Um, and I think as an artist, you know, I remember in college, I would be, my anxiety got so bad my senior year of college that I would like, I wouldn't have a panic attack, but like before I go on stage, I was just like, I was terrified. <laughs> I'd be terrified of going on stage. I would, I couldn't, I could not be present. Like my thoughts were just constant, like monkey brain, you know? And, yeah. um, and my art, my art suffered because like the whole point of, you know, being an actor is like, you're present with another person. Um, and if I'm, if I'm, if I'm somewhere else, like it shows, and especially on film, like you, you can see all that. Um, yeah. So yoga and meditation came into my life around the same time as therapy. I started going to, um, a couple of different yoga studios. I was getting really into hot yoga before, uh, quarantine, which, um, I miss, but it's just something about checking in with yourself and breathing and recentering yourself, reminding yourself you're not just your mind. It gives you, I just, it kind of gives yourself a break and some compassion. And I think a lot of artists are really hard on themselves. Um, I know as actors specifically, you know, it's hard to watch myself on film. I'm not a big fan of listening to my voice or watching myself back. So it's, it's really good to check in and just be kind to yourself and like hear your thoughts and not necessarily like I've, I've learned to not go down the path of my thoughts. Instead, I kind of question <laughs> my thoughts or I, I have, you know, you know, I read this, this really good book. It was called, uh, I'm going to botch the name. What was it called? Um, the, it'll come to me. Okay. Okay, it'll come to me. What was in the book? Okay, so there's this, like, idea of your chattering monkey brain self is, like, sitting on a bench, and it's, like, a younger little eye is how she describes it. Oh, uh, I remember the book, sorry. (laughs) The book is called How We Make the Beast Beautiful, Um, And it's about living with anxiety and working through it and also depression because, you know, they're like two sides of the same coin, essentially. Yeah. Anyway, um, but she talks about seeing your little eye, which is like your chattery, stressed, anxious, worried self on a park bench. And then seeing, I guess, your higher self or your big eye sitting next to you. And And you just kind of let your big eye watch your little eye and see how like small and scared and worried they are. And just know that that's not necessarily you. That's just like a part of it. 
and you can be bigger than that. And I, I think about being like a mother to that person. Um, that is all for myself. And it just helps me be more compassionate. And I found a lot of that in therapy and yoga and, you know, meditation and, and practicing that. It's just made me a more confident person. And I think as an artist, you have to be confident in your art to. to continue on or else you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, from what I know about you, Annalie, is that like you're you're a compassionate person. And and I'm sure that you've spent a lot of time, um, which I can relate, putting others in, in front of yourself or or, mm-hmm. or being very compassionate to them, but then very harsh on yourself. And then you oh, yeah. you are always in this in this disarray. And uh, I agree. I had a I had a friend who told me that very same thing. Um, he was a friend who is a therapist that I just happened to call. And <laughs> but he's he said, you know, giving yourself the same grace and forgiveness and love, like as you know, just you imagine the little kid of yourself, and like give that little kid you a squeeze and be like, hey man, it's yeah. okay. You just you fucked up. It's cool. Um, I, yeah, you know? and like I see you, you know, and yeah. like everything's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's hard to get there, but like I, I, I literally, <laughs> I talk to myself in that way. Like when I'm really nervous about an audition, or I'm really nervous about whatever, I, I have to like be like, hey girl, I see you. You're doing your best. You're killing it. Like, it's kind of embarrassing to say that out loud, but like, it helps. Yeah. <laughs> it helps me to check in and be really nice to myself and be like, give myself a pep talk kind of thing. That's so great. And, you know, this, <laughs> I think, kind of falls into a question that I was going to ask because I definitely feel like, as a musician and, and someone who is presenting, I'm presenting myself now more just under my own name as a as a solo artist. It um, mm-hmm. it's like I don't have a band to hide behind, and so there's a <laughs> lot of um, there's a lot of self image struggle that comes with mm-hmm. that. But I think that as an actor, because part of of you being accepted for a part, it weighs on your appearance. Totally. And totally. <laughs> I just want to know, are these some of the methods that you use to talk yourself out of that hole when you start doubting the, the way you look? And Yeah, you know, that's a whole journey. And the things, I have like two thoughts. That, so I, I talked about the acting class that I was in. I took an on-camera acting class last year for like, I would go once a week uh, for a year the three-hour class, the way the class was designed is essentially you would go in, um, you'd have material prepared. It was like a mock audition. So you'd wait in the waiting room, you'd go in, you'd get on, you'd stand on your mark, and then you'd do the scene to, the, to the, your scene partner, to the reader. And then you'd go out, and then we'd all watch our, our, our um, auditions at the class. And watching myself around all these beautiful beautiful actors it's so hard (laughs) to not 
compare yourself. And it's also, it's really unfortunate because then I wasn't watching my acting. I became so insecure that I'd like overthink things that no one else is looking at because they're watching me act. I'd like be like, oh, my nose is weird or something, you know? And so I've really had to learn to separate myself from myself in that way and just be more objective. I started filming that footage and then just watching it later when I was less emotionally involved because I, I just so desperately want to be a good actor. I want to be good at what I'm doing. I want to prove that I'm like, you know, and, and that's the whole thing of why quarantine was great for me is because I needed a break from that mindset. But I was on a friend's set two days ago. We were filming um, this really fun little short that I cannot wait to see because it, 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 it was just the the DC was awesome and the writing was really good and it's just a good group of people. But I told him, I was like, Oh, I feel like I look so tired. And he was like, yeah, you're a person. <laughs> it's okay that you look tired. And I was like, that's true. But it's this weird thing of, I, I think as a woman, but I also think just as an actor and a, like a person that we want to look a certain way. And I have to yeah. remind myself that it takes all types, you know, it doesn't matter that I'm not necessarily like a standard uh, supermodel. Cause like those are the people I'm auditioning against sometimes. And it's like, I've always, I've never felt like I was, I've never really been too insecure about that, but being in LA is like another level. Cause you're just auditioning against like seriously, like beautiful people. And I, I realized, you know, that's literally not the point. <laughs> the point is not to be pretty. The point is not to be, um, like a person that is beautiful or whatever, whatever the per- the point is to be a person and to be an actor. And so when I get insecure about that, I'm not focusing on the point of what I'm doing. I'm focusing on how I look and then I'm not being present. And it it's again, the self-talk and checking in with myself. And when I have those thoughts, I have to be like, yeah, but that's not important. You're here to act. You're not here to, you know, do a beauty pageant. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any scary, like, pre-audition dreams or anything regarding your your career? I don't know. I don't have... I don't, I'm trying to think if I have any, like, dreams. I... I just... I would get really... I used to get really scared that I would forget my lines. And especially, I used to do this in college... I've gotten past this because film is different in the way that like you're not doing a whole play on stage. Like you'll do some scenes and then, uh, and it's just so fast paced that like you have your script in your hand half the time for auditions. Yeah. Um, I try to always be off books, but my fear was always that I wouldn't remember it. And I do this thing where I think about the, the lines and then I'd be like, Oh, you're going to forget your lines. And then I would forget my lines. But the reason I forgot my lines was because I told myself, like, what if you forget your lines? Yeah. And so it was like this weird, like, self-sabotage thing that I did to myself where I was like, you don't know it. And I'm like, you weren't, like, so now what I do instead is, like, I'm just super prepared. I'm like, I just make sure that, like, if that, if, if that voice comes, I'm very quickly like, no, you know it. Like, you're good. Like, you rehearsed a lot. <laughs> as much as you could. So like, we're not going to go there. And if yeah. I do mess up at this point, I trust myself enough 
that if I am being present, then I can just be and we'll get back on track. There's no reason to like freak out because things go wrong all the time. Like, again, it's like getting away from the perfectionist. It goes along with like looks as well. Like as an actor, like no one wants to see perfect because people aren't perfect and that's not interesting. Mm, Perfect is not interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard because you want to be, you know, the best and with, with, I'm I'm sure it's the same with music, but with an acting, you want to be like their ideal of something. And so then you can often like overthink it and then it comes off as desperate or inauthentic. And the best thing to do is just be yourself and try your best, like literally, and just let it go. Yeah, just just let all that part of you be. I know I had had mm-hmm. some moments where I just like have been starting to release like a series of of solo piano videos, and I'll and I'll look. I'm like, I made a weird face, or like my legs look really skinny. You know, I'm just like, what? What? That's not relevant. That's not relevant. What I'm presenting is the song. I don't know why our brains do that. Like, because when I see my friends. I am not thinking about that. When I watch my friends act, I'm never, I'm just like watching them do their thing. Like, I'm just like, yay. (laughs) But when I watch myself, I'm just like, maybe you could be whatever. Like, it's crazy that our brains do that. I I don't understand it. (laughs) I know. Imagine if you talk, if you talk to yourself, like if you talk to your, a child that you had, like the way you talk to yourself, you're like, Wow, you're verbally abusive. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's so crazy so, that it, a lot of people, and myself included, before therapy, you're not even aware of that. That's just how you exist in the world. And until something switches and you make the connection that, that you're not having nice self-talk, <laughs> like, you don't even know. Because sometimes that's how you were raised or you, like, just that that is your inner voice and until you change your inner voice it can really make things much harder for you like I honestly don't think I started I guess thriving and and doing well until I changed my inner voice and I just like let go and stop putting so much pressure on myself um Uh, and that's not to say I don't still have it and I don't still you know go through moments of perfectionism and um mean self-talk yeah absolutely I was, uh, I had a very similar experience about three, a little over three months ago when I first moved out to Athens and, uh, Mm. I was just, I moved into an apartment by myself, you know, eight hours away from a lot of people that I knew and, and it was just, you know, the first couple weeks just sleeping on a mattress on the floor in an empty, Mm -hmm. uh, concrete block of an apartment, um, Mm-hmm. is really hard and discouraging and I just would sit there and think about like how much I needed to get together and how you know I mean it I just I constantly and then eventually one day after after talking to all of my close friends and personal family I just woke up the next day I said okay Spencer build the shelf okay you know yeah. like to build your Ikea shelf okay <laughs> We did that. What is the, Mm -hmm. yeah, check. And it's just, and it's just been a series of checklists. And like now, um, 
I've gotten to a place where I'm like, I'm forgiving of, of myself, thankful yeah. for my progress and just grateful for oh, yeah. anybody who has helped me out in this town. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, also I love this perspective of, I think of where you were. I, I say four years cause I've lived in LA for four years and I like to think of like, okay, where were you four years ago? Where are you now? You know, like, look at the community you've built. Look at the work that you've done. Like, look out. Like, just that can also give you some nice perspective to remind yourself to be kind. And also, I was going to say, like, I love to make a list for, like, things I'd... And I, I, my therapist and I, we talked, she, like, I always used to say, I should do this. And that's such a negative way to, like, think about things. Like, I should do this. And that's, like, being mean. You're being, like, I need to. I have to. Instead, mm-hmm. I like to be, like... Today, I'd like to maybe get this done if I get to it. <laughs> you know, it's like, unless it's like absolutely pressing, I like to make a list for my day and then I like to make a list for the week. And they're not things I should do. They're things I'd like to get done and would be nice to have finished. <laughs> yeah. And and the more you, you keep that, the more you keep that going, it's just so much easier to do. It's like if you just keep those little increments <laughs> going along, forgive yourself for the times that I'm like, okay, well, I made an impossible list today. Of course, I wasn't going to get all that done. Oh, God, yeah. And then I stress myself out. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah. a fine balance. That's why I say the week list is good because if I have only a day list, I'll put like so much on it. And then I'm like, oh, my God. And then I get myself like a panic attack. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, so. I want to begin to wrap up and I ask three questions that I universally ask all of my guests, starting with what was your last feeling of success? Um, honestly, it was last night. I, we, we wrapped the show. The show I'm doing is like four hours of running around doing craziness. Um, and I was in the car and I was talking to my other castmates and I just felt like I was like driving, like it's like 11 p.m. and I'm driving in downtown L.A. And I just, it's just one of those moments where I was just was like, we're on the right track. And I just felt very in tune with where, I, where I'm supposed to be. And that felt like a, a success oh, for me. Great. Yeah, I do. Uh, I love those. I love those moments, those post-performance moments mm-hmm. where you just yeah. you got it all out on there, like on the stage, and and you can just be comfortable with yeah. yourself. You can just be again. I, I was like alone, and I felt just like happy by myself, and I was like, "This is good." Oh yeah, yeah, and not not <laughs> feeling like you needed constant stimulation from a podcast. No, yeah, I was like, I was listening to like the radio and like Nat King Cole came on and I was like, whoa, this is like a really nice moment. I'm like downtown, there's like no one here, I just finished the show, like, I don't know, it was a good moment for me. Oh man, that's, that's beautiful um, yeah. and something I resonate with. Um, <laughs> what would you consider the most unsung difficulty about being an actress? unsung difficulty about being an actress. Yeah. Um, that's a hard question. Let me, let me think about that. Um, I think it is 
combination of like this like profound need for connection, but it's also a very lonely endeavor. Um, I mean, I think that's something any artist can resonate with. It's like, it's your art, it's your experience. And I mean, it's, it's, I, the artist's life is hard. I, I see people right now that are building families and are building like relationships and you know, it, it's tough when you choose to follow the pursuit of your art. And for me, that's my truth. It's, I think that's the toughest thing. It's just like knowing that even though it's challenging and sometimes it feels like it's just you, you're, you're doing, if, if, it, if it is what you're supposed to be doing, regardless of if you're an actor, a musician, whatever, that you are on the right path and just knowing that that is, even though it's tough and um, it's, on, it's only you sometimes, you know, and you really, I think that that's been the hardest thing. It's just learning that like all I've really got is myself. I have my wonderful friends and my wonderful family and people in my life. But at the end of the day, like it's you and you have to get good with that. Yeah. Yeah. My dad always said you are going to be with you for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've always kept that close. And that's a, it's a great thing if, if you learn to like yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that was one thing. I've spent yeah. a lot of time alone lately. And where that, mm-hmm. where that was really hard at first, now I realize I'm like, oh, I spent, I spent the whole weekend alone. You know? And Big fan of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm like a changed person because I did not. Like, I would just be like, oh, my God, I've been to... It's a Friday night and I'm alone. You know, I'm like, it's a Friday night, I'm alone. My cat is here, but that is all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Friday night and I'm alone and I don't have to prove myself by like being social and, you know, like I can just be alone. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yeah. I can. I lo- I'm like such a social, but yeah, I'm the same. Yeah. I love people, but I also, I'm realizing more and more that I'm like, if I don't take that time to like show it with myself, I'm not, it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we've covered this a little bit, but tell me about a mantra you keep with you. Uh, where did you learn it and how does it personally apply? I... I really think my mantra, I don't have like an ongoing mantra necessarily, but I do think it really goes back for me to the self-talk. And recently it's just been like, you've got this, you're okay, you're on the right path. And at any time I'm feeling insecure or like I'm not doing the right thing, I, I, I have to remind myself that it is okay I'm doing okay and you know we're on the right path here yeah yeah I had uh, uh, my friend Wesley who lives in Portland we, we pretty pretty commonly catch up uh, over the phone and uh, one day he told me he said hey hey I want you to stop 
and tell yourself today, I'm exactly where I need to be. Yeah, it's, it's that. It's really that anytime I'm feeling insecure or that I don't think I can do something or I'm, I start to feel myself so anxious, <laughs> I literally just say, keep up this. Yeah. We're fine. We're going to get through this. You're a badass. Like, I just have to remind myself. And that usually quiets any um, insecurity or fear I have. And then I just push through and keep going. And it usually works out okay. Yeah. Um, bonus question. Uh, okay. Last time, when I was in L.A., I guess it was like October, and we mm-hmm. got to hang out very briefly. Um it was like a year ago. Yeah, that was like a year ago. <laughs> I, time is weird, like that. Yeah, time is weird, especially yeah. like post uh, post pandemic. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna have a yeah, we're gonna have a a, a BC, but the new BC is before COVID. Um, I know before COVID. Yeah. Um, Somebody else called it the BT, the before times. Oh, the before times. <laughs> yeah, funny. the before times when we all did regular stuff. Um, yeah. I know. I'll see people on like TV and I'm like, you should be standing so close together. And then I'm like, oh, before times. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, where are their masks? Like, Why are they hugging? Oh my God, look at that handshake just out in the open. <laughs> I'm stressed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but. I remember you were you were hinting at LA sort of wearing down on you. Is there, as has your time in LA sort of like has has it been restored? Do you feel like because you've had the slowdown, you feel like all right, I'm good with LA for a while? You know what? I don't think it was LA. <laughs> I think that there was um, just some things in my life that I wasn't authentically like living my truth in and I was really worried about a lot of people's like just family and otherwise and just people in my life I'd be worried like oh I shouldn't do this project or maybe that's not a good idea and I don't know I just since I've cut that out I'm really just focusing fully on my artistry and I'm not worried about what anyone thinks I'm enjoying LA a lot more. I will say LA is a lot more fun when, you know, there's more auditions and I, I miss very much being like, Oh, I have a commercial audition today and I've got a whole home and self tape for this thing. And I have a callback. Like I miss that about LA, but yeah. yeah, I don't think it was LA as much as it was just like, I needed to get good with myself and just do it for me and not worry about anyone else. And I've been enjoying this pursuit much more. Mm, that's so good to hear. Uh, yeah. I really uh, yeah. appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Annalie. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Yeah. This was super fun. And I think it's very cool. You're doing this. Yeah. Thank you. It's kind of like, it's, it's almost like a hobby now. Man, I hope you enjoyed that. How you feeling about it? You ready to get up and kick today's ass? Or maybe you're ready to um, consider therapy. (laughs) Go internal. 
Thank you, Anna Lee. I think that was just what we all needed to hear. The artwork's intro and outro music is brought to you by Mr. Cal Kellum, and you can listen to all of his music on the streaming platforms, but you can buy Adding to the Ashes, the record that has these songs on it, off of his bandcamp, as well as his new EP called What Is Today? Thank you, Cody Rogers, for providing the artwork's artwork. Appreciate you very much. And if you're interested in any of my musical endeavors, remember, you can go to my Instagram, my Facebook, my Bandcamp, you can go to YouTube. It's all under Spencer Thomas Songs. Be streaming the hell out of Confused, baby. That's my new single. Stream it. So remember the people that are making art, the people that are in front of a screen, acting and portraying a character, is somebody just like you. And they have to see themselves on the screen, and they have to think about their image and their and their body, and, and sometimes it takes them out of the art. And they're going to audition after audition after audition, and not getting considered for a lot of things that they work their ass off for, just to get to you, in front of you on the screen. Remember, art works, mucho love, respect and gratitude. Bye-bye.